0: The Magic Book Club Podcast. You're listening to the Magic Radio Book Club podcast, and it is an absolute delight to have a titan of the genre in the <laughs> studio with us.:
1: I don't think I've ever been a Titan.: A before. Titan
0: Good. of historical novels, The Brilliant Philippa Gregory. Welcome along. Thanks very much for having me.: Oh, it's so exciting to meet you. Um, I mean, I, I think if we've only got a little bit of time, and if we started listing all your successes, we literally wouldn't have any time to chat. So I think we're just going to say you've been writing and publishing best-selling books for years. Um, but this new book, tidelands, uh, which I have just finished um, and raced towards the end and we 'll talk about the plot later, but I raced towards mm. the end. Um, this is a completely different kettle of fish in terms of i, I guess a, a historical period, the period in time uh, and, and also a little bit in focus as well tell us um, Tell us why the, the why this came about and why you decided to 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 move
1: it on a few hundred years um. Then moving it on a few hundred years is was an interesting decision, but really what I where I started from was I wanted to write a book about ordinary people. I've been working on the Plantagenet, the Tudor courts, for a long time, and I came to them because I wanted to write about the ordinary women of the court. And it's easier to research people if they are at the centre of power because their doings are recorded. So, in a sense, you're always drawn to, uh, you know, the famous better-known people because if you're writing a historical novel, there's you've got the material, it's much easier. But this time I wanted to really go against that trend and write about people that we don't know about, but they are actually more important. They're more important because there's far more of them. Yes. Their lives are the typical lives, not the atypical lives of the royal court. And if anybody's doing their own family history the chances are very high that they're not descended from Anne Boleyn. The chances are very high that they are descended from, you know, a farmer up to his knees in mud trying to make a living in a field. And those lives, to me, those are really valuable lives. And we make a mistake when we think that the past is interesting only when it's performed by people in fancy costume of extraordinary wealth. That's not the case. It's not the case now. It's not the case then. And I,
0: I guess as well, it provides. Uh, although there was, there's always been great jeopardy in being in a royal court, um, and uh, and in that in that echelon of, of people, the the jeopardy of these people and uh, in the margins of their life is is vast, is huge. It's a great dramatic backdrop.
1: Yes, I mean you say margins and that's so right the whole novel is about a woman who's on the very margins she's on the margins on every of, level. of exactly she's on the margins of England she lives in the Tidelands, where it's it sometimes land sometimes sea depending on the height of the tide she lives on the margins of the village she's not entirely accepted she's an abandoned wife so she's on the margins of of wealth and society she's mm. on the margin of survival and really, always yeah the the, the novel's main story is really how does a woman like her survive and get her children into adulthood, into anything like a satisfactory way. And then, because I am the novelist that I am, <laughs> uh, she becomes involved with a royal conspiracy. And I, I literally, I didn't plan that. I was going to write a much more sort of survival, low-key novel. And then I realised that Charles I was imprisoned, half a day's sail away from her at the date that I decided to Was start that you did you discover that by accident? That was something that you stumbled on. It was I was more kind of unconscious on yeah. purpose. Okay. In that I knew that Charles was imprisoned on the Isle of Wight. I had read for another reason a book about his imprisonment on yeah. the Isle of Wight. And I was writing her story and then I realized that literally in the three years that her story took t- place, he was just over the water, and then everything literally fell into place. And I went, firstly, oh, here you are, doing getting right into recorded history again, so you're going to have to do a whole load more research than you necessarily would have done about these specific events and the timings of it. But also, I went, that's what I do. I always do that. I never manage to stay away from the, the, you know, the known, well-known facts of history for very long. I, I just... I have such a love for history, I'm just always going back to it.
0: Well, the f- and the funny thing is, and we'll talk about the characters later, because we 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 mentioned your, your central ca- character, who's Eleanor, um, and her gorgeous family of Alice and Rob, and the terrible Zachary, who's <laughs> awful um, and, um, and an awful man. He is an awful man. He is an awful man. He a truly oh, awful man. Truly awful man. Um, but what's really interesting as well, and I wonder whether or not, because you know we're talking about Cavalier and Roundhead's time, King versus Parliament... Um, and that uh, and that there are there are several there there are several bits in the in the book that really echo conversations that are going on around dinner tables right now. Um, and there's a bit where um, Eleanor gets really cross with her brother, Ned, because she's so frustrated about who she, you know, who should she, should she be with Parliament? Should she be with the king? She just wishes it would all stop and go away. I mean, this is not a million miles away from, I'm, I'm going to say it, Philippa, the B word. It's not a million miles away and uh, from Brexit and these interesting times that we're at, which is full of suspicion and xenophobia, perhaps. Uh, there are
1: a lot, a lot, there's a lot to be, there's a lot of reflection. Yes, I mean, you write a novel. It's set in the past, but you, (laughs) the the author, are living in the present. So you're extremely aware of the resonances as they go along, and it's interesting you pick up on that. Other people have picked up on the role of women in society. That's yeah on on the suffering and the oppression Mm -hmm. that women experienced in that time that we still haven't recovered from even now. So, but that's really. My job as a novelist is to write a really compelling, highly readable, enjoyable novel, enjoyable at a number of levels. So, And one of the levels of enjoying it is if you're someone who likes to read very thoughtfully, there's a lot to think about as a result of it. If you want to sit with it on a sun lounger, be my guest. (laughs) It's like I write how I want to write and the reader reads the book
0: they want to read. Um, let's, have, let's have a chat about Eleanor. So she's, uh, we find her, oh, it's miserable, isn't it? It's wet and it's damp and she's, she's tired and filthy and doing her level best to bring her children up. The, the, uh, the area that she lives in, the Tidelands as well, where you're unsure of foot. The whole time is really interesting, but she she navigates it so well. Where did you get the inspiration for for a character like her, who's so driven? It's, I guess it's an every woman story, isn't it? About bringing your children up.
1: I think every woman is the, is the kind of the, the key to it. That uh, of obvi- obviously, I researched the lives of of you know what historians used to call the common people, common women. Yeah, um, and they mostly most of the recorded material because of the world they live in is from the criminal or the civil courts oh, it's when so they upset, so <laughs> sad isn't when it that they, you start there when they come up against the, yeah. the 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 so-called justice of the day because that's where for the first time literate men and most it's mostly literacy is limited mostly to elite men at that time that's where they see them And take any interest in them at all. The other place is witchcraft trials. Yeah. The other place is what what the physicians who are becoming, you know, they're they're developing a class of men, educated men, who want to declare themselves as doctors. Apothecaries. Apothecaries and physicians and surgeons. And they want to squeeze out the women who are the traditional practitioners of these skills so that not... Squeeze them out totally. They want the paying (laughs) patients, (laughs) and they and they want the women to take care of the poor. Yeah. Uh, So what you have is you have these sorts of women, women like Eleanor, being observed and being recorded in these very prejudicial ways. But at least it's a record where I can go and say, what sort of herbs would she have been using? What sort of life would she have been living? What did she get paid for half a day's work? And all of that is research material. Mm. And it's from that 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 I build a fictional character. She's, she's amazing, she's absolutely wonderful and she's so
0: very um, aware of what's at risk at her for every turn. She's so very aware of what could be and most probably won't be for her children. Um, uh, uh, but she manages uh, the, the, the opening section. Tell us a little bit about the plot, what you can without ruining it. So, I mean, it's a quite an auspicious start for someone who wants to avoid being considered to be in that sort of beguiling, bewitching
1: environment well she's she she gets an extraordinary start that she yeah. is because she is also uh, a practitioner of sort of spirituality and a, with a belief in the yeah. other world as most women of the time most especially uneducated people of the time had a very strong belief that the world of miracles and magic uh, either as a religion or as a sort of paganism it's just the other side of a veil. So she's actually, it's Midsummer's Eve, which is the night that the dead are supposed to walk. So she goes to the churchyard to see if her husband is walking uh, because that would confirm to her that he was dead. Which, which would is, be quite nice. Which is the one thing she really <laughs> wants. <laughs> so, uh, but instead of meeting him, she meets uh, a royalist spy, a seminary priest, uh Father James, who is come to that area exactly because he's going to execute a plot to release Charles I from his imprisonment on the Isle of Wight. And because she helps him, mainly because she is a, a trusting woman. Yes. yes. She's yeah. actually, she, she. he explains to her that he is in terrible trouble. He's got nowhere to stay for the night. He's got to get either away from the area altogether or into a safe house. And she hides him for the night, as so many women do. Would do, as an instinctively caring person. As, as a gesture of generosity, yeah. Yeah, to a stranger. And because he, she's helped him, he gets into the house of the local lord and because they know she's helped them, she's then a favoured tenant and that means that her son Rob gets to be a companion to the local lord during his summer when he's there and she starts to get a little savings. We're talking about shillings. Yeah. And she sees the possibility of buying a boat from which she could fish. She sees the possibility of bettering herself herself. and Mm. making a life for herself, which has been really on hold since her her husband disappears. There's a line, which I'm very fond of, I don't know if you heard it in the novel, when he says to her, um, she says, my husband, who was a fisherman, is missing. And he says, well, our Lord called a fisherman and she said yes but he left the boat he left the boats yeah <laughs> <laughs> and, you know isn't that yeah yes. down the years Absolutely. isn't that deserted women like yeah there is the emotional tragedy which i'm now facing yeah. but how am i going to manage
0: and and actually well, a part of the um uh, you know uh, obviously with, with the wonderful plot as well in this in this great character in her but obviously surrounded in this lots of things that i that i didn't know that um that a, that a widow if you were married or widowed it was Completely acceptable, really. Abandoned is a different matter, mm-hmm. uh, because the uh, the assumption is is that it was your fault. It was the, the assumption is is that you did something for him to abandon you. That the there's no there's no. Uh, I mean, everybody. And the awful thing is, is everybody kind of knows that Zachary's an absolute cheat. Mm-hmm. They know, but even so, that that those remnants of suspicion uh, follow her everywhere.
1: Well, because she. They suspect her of being in danger of falling on the parish. So this is, yes. this is This yes. is at a time where the law about charity has changed very much and now if people are poor, they go to the parish overseer and they are obliged to support them if they clearly belong to the parish, which means that the lords and anybody who's a, a ratepayer in the parish has to put in money for their yep. poorer neighbours. In the old days, older than this, pre-Elizabeth, you just literally went to the, the gate... Of the lord and said i'm um, i don't i can 't feed my children this week, and they would let you come in and dine in the hall if they were a good Lord, and if they weren't, then you died at the gate so it's <laughs> not that it was a great system, but it was a system where at least neighbors were responsible for each directly other. Yeah, yeah, to yeah. each other yeah, and by making it more at a distance, although it may be that the that the poor law rate became more efficient, it did mean that people regarded their poorer neighbours as potential costs. Cost to, to them. them, yeah. It became much more personal. And that, we're pretty sure, that's what has an effect subsequently in the witchcraft trials. It's always the poorer, poorer women. older women, because they're the ones that you don't want living in your parish because they could live for 10 years, drawing a... drawing a, a God forbid. A rate. I know. God forbid. Um,
0: the, uh, for those... So Eleanor has um, this this glimmer of um, oh yes and th- I mean, well we have a sexy Catholic priest in here we do have a sexy Catholic I mean in there here. is I mean what is what what is twenty nineteen without a sexy Catholic priest
1: <laughs> I want to say I wrote my sexy Catholic <laughs> priest yeah. before Fleabag had her sexy Catholic <laughs> priest but yes I mean I actually I went back to um, what was that. What was that really huge book? Yes, with um Thorn. Thornbirds. Thorn I thorn was birds. reading it thinking I've got to f I've got to remember the Thornbirds. Oh my mum and I, my mum read it and I read it. I, I, I remember reading it in the eighties and I actually reread it when I went like what I don't want to do is to actually, you know, accidentally, unconsciously yes. reproduce any yeah. of that. And they're not at all alike. No. But um yeah, you know, they I mean the whole the whole nature of love or lust or desire. Uh, dramatically, theatre, television, cinema, novels, it's got to be forbidden yes. at some level, or otherwise you just do it. And, you know, then you've written hair, you know, <laughs> which, is, which is great. But on it's the other hand, there's you, no tension yeah. in it. Of course you know. there's no
0: tension. And also, I mean, I think there's, you, you know, uh, hi, I'm going to say historically as a preface to a sentence, <laughs> to speaking to
1: you. Take a so chance. I have to, yeah, exactly, yeah. I'll
0: take a chance. Historically, that that lustful forbidden is does go hand in hand with the witchcraft the 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 ability to control a man's sexuality the ability to to entice him in to render him inadequate all those kind of things have have there is a there's been a dark lustful side of of being accused of
1: being a witch for many years it's produced great drama i yes indeed i really hold over men i really think that is the misogyny yes Projected on women who are actually probably just living completely normal lives, you know. And in her case, part of the the, the triggering incident, which yeah. which means it all goes to hell for her, is uh, theft, yeah, which she's not responsible for.
0: And the the hysteria that then kind of unfolds so rapidly, the shouts and the screams of this like crazy nonsense that comes from the baying crowd around her um you know it really shocks me how uh, you know again how quickly it goes from sort of naught to 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 that and the mrs miller in the background <laughs> we all know one of those don't we <laughs> there's always a mrs miller somewhere yes. yes
1: yes well and i mean the mrs miller character i think is very very interesting in that she's a woman who turns against another woman for her own for her own self esteem yeah. and for the esteem of her neighbors and One of the things that we have to come to terms with when we're talking as sisters or women or professional women or feminists is how tempting it is to be a bad woman boss to a a woman uh, below us and how tempting it is to be a bad woman supporter to a woman we should be getting behind. It's, you know, the whole idea of divide and conquer, patriarchy has done to women for years and we've really internalised this belief that women, you know, are beautiful. In the case of Mrs. Miller, she's a less than beautiful married woman who holds her husband in some contempt. And it drives her absolutely mad that every day of her life, mm. this beautiful woman with her beautiful daughter sashay into the yard, yeah. work like slaves for her, take a reasonable wage and go home again. And her husband has. Enormous respect and affection for him. in such an understated way as well. There's, he doesn't ever say
0: anything, you know, to rub her up the wrong way. It's always so considered and so mild mannered, um, uh, and, and yeah. Any, but there's, I think there's, and there's, 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 um, there's one, uh, there's one little paragraph where James, our sexy Catholic priest, is talking to the Lord, and he he and he picks up on how beautiful. Eleanor is, and says, I'm, I may have bedded her myself. And there's this incredible, like, paragraph about how, back in the day, he would have been able to take um, a, a, a man's wife and take her behind the bushes or into the, she- into, the into the haystack, um, and, and they would have said, thank you, my Lord. And you do kind of go back to sort of just five years ago, before hashtag Me Too, and and what must have been going on for so many actresses and workers in in, in the media and television and you know, it, that's that was that was Charles the first era that wasn't yes. you know
1: 2017 2018 no it, there's there has been an absolute tradition of mm. powerful men using less powerful women for their sexual gratification without almost thinking about it, just assuming that's okay. I mean, you know, the president of America speaks of women like that Mm. in in the modern day. Of course, in times when there wasn't any consciousness about what the limit should be of lordly power or what the rights should be of women. You know, Eleanor has no legal right. If if she were to be sexually assaulted and she were to complain of it, the complaints procedure for a woman claiming rape were such that it was almost impossible to get it. To a court, to a tribunal, and it's we know he- from the yeah. we know from the statistics how very, very, very few complaints of rape ever went through. Yeah,
0: it's it's um. I mean, her own personal story is 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 heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking, and that you know, as a as a mother of a sixteen-year-old at the moment, you know, you kind of just go, "Gee whiz," um. You know, she's she's just doing what every other mother would do, which is her best by her children. Um, and talking of my sixteen-year-old, it was interesting because I was just saying earlier that um, she did the crucible for her GCSEs, which we're finding out about on Thursday. <laughs> Um, yeah, and, fingers and yeah fingers Please crossed, cross for fingers, all of crossed you. fingers crossed thank you um and, and I was saying that you know I, I'm I'm going to push this book her way and say because I think one of the wonderful things that your novels do is that you know what we we all know that they're not the bible in terms of you know history and that there's a wonderful plots around them but that you get so engaged in that period via the plots and the characters that it does massively open the door to a new love of history. Has that been something that you've, you've wanted to do
1: or has that been an accident? That's, I mean, that's a really fortuitous result yeah. of writing the way I write. So there's not a historical fact in there that isn't correct. Yeah. Uh, even the tides... Forth, forth. Were your tides right? My tides are right. I'm impressed. I but have, then you know that area, don't you? I do know that area, yeah. but that doesn't mean that you're capable of, <laughs> of getting your tides right all the way through. It's really, really important to yeah. me that, for two reasons. One is that I, I am a historian by training yep. and profession, and I love history. So I'm not going to, in a sense, write against my instinct Accuracy. There'd be no point. So, although Eleanor is a fictional creation, she, all the components in her, including her daily rate rate of pay, including how much her little boat costs her. That's right.
0: And the um, the the one uh, the, there was a one afternoon description of of Alice and the hay collecting. Yeah. That's. Beautiful. That's beautiful. That is. I mean, it's it was hideous to do, but the way that the detail in which that's gone into and how they lined up and it was done very methodically is is really it's really
1: brilliant. Thank you, thank you. Uh, but uh, so, so there's that. So I come at the novels as a historian and I write a fiction, but it is as a historian. And then readers do really what they want with the book. Yeah. So again, they want to read it on the sun lounger, fine. But uh, Really surprising to me, number of people come up to me at events and say that they've read the book and that that led them to read the source books, which I always list, and even more uh, go on to and study. And so I now have a little crop, of actually, of PhD <laughs> students <laughs> who've gone, or who were inspired by the other Berlin girl because yeah, it was so well, long ago yeah. to go to to go to university to study Tudor history. And I have occasional letters from, um, you know. Officers of universities saying, like, we've just had another influx of students who were inspired to read history from this. And this, of course, at a time when I think history has been taught really poorly in schools in a way which isn't inspiring to students. Mm. So I regularly have people come up and say to me, I've got into history from reading your books where I was put off history at school. That's That's got to feel good. That's, that's, that's fantastic. That's fantastic that's result fantastic. for you. It is, but but... You know, all the time I have to go, like, what I'm doing is writing a novel. My job is as a historian and a novelist. If that inspires people to write, that's great. If that inspires people to read, that's great. If it inspires them to study, that's really, really fantastic. (laughs) Um, And, you know, the joy of it is that what you then see is that people go and research their own topics. And so there is a whole um, little sort of collection of uh, women's, studies yes of course which have come out of mm. some of the books i've written it's very satisfying i'm sure for you um
0: th- the the cliffhanger that you leave us on with Eleanor and alice this is part of
1: a series it is part of a series oh! each... <laughs> good that's that's one reason that for the book right? two. yeah i <laughs> yeah, so i am i'm ready for book 2 uh yeah i mean it's i i d- each Each book is going to be completely standalone so that you can enjoy each one and each one has its own complete story in it. But uh, I am very keen to be embarking now on a sort of um, history of England through one family. So I'm starting now in 1640 and then the next book is going to be uh, The Next Generation and they're going to be travelling abroad. Uh, They're going to be setting up foreign... Uh, trading posts okay. they're going to carry with them some of the skills that we've got in this book the herbalism and the the, the affinity with a, a sort of consciousness a sort of second sight yep. sort of feeling that's going to be part of the family DNA um, and they're going to be travellers they're going to be people who ultimately not in this book but in a future book who are going to be part of empire the empire the mercantile empire yeah. and then of course naturally the overseas empire
0: Oh my gosh! I know <laughs> that's that's it. that's. I think, and I think it's so like for for me and my tiny wee mind, who just manages to write a three page essay these days on something, for to have that. How how as an individual, as a person, as Philippa. I mean that's a lot to have in your head.
1: I mean do you play connect 4 or something to kind of that's a busy brain. It's a very busy brain but it's but it's a very specialist brain. So yes. no, I don't play connect 4. I don't <laughs> I don't play any games on the video, you know, on the Good. phone because I can't work out, you know, i yeah. you know, I'm a grown woman. Yes, I have got you all are. thumbs. <laughs> I can't do this. Um, so but I I just have, you know, being a historian for so long, I just have such an intense sense of the passing of time and the way things change through time and like I've been you know my I, my PhD and my first novels were set in the 18th century so I'm kind of coming into very familiar territory with a great deal of pleasure and then beyond that yeah. there's the Victorian period and the empire wow. you know so, yeah. so I just keep moving from in a sense one stepping stone that I'm pretty sure about to another and all I have to be sure about is the is the sort of the the bit between yeah
0: um uh, you're no stranger to a TV and film adaptation of your great work. Um, Tidelands is screaming cinematography
1: to me. Uh, I have a <laughs> I have a television producer screaming at me <laughs> as we speak, and at the moment I'm I'm holding off on it because I really want to be, I really want to get book two fully written, if not out, before I speak to anybody about. Sure. Producing book one because they need to know where we're going. So, like, yeah, of course. Like, they need to know it's going to be Venice and that's going to be expensive. <laughs> <laughs> so, before I'm kind of, you know, moving, they were on thrilled it. with Thailand. Yeah. They were, they yeah. were like, that. They we went, can definitely that, do that. that, that <laughs> off Bognor Regis, you know, wet Sunday and Bognor Regis, job done. But yeah, it's, the next is going to be, you know, Restoration London and Venice. And that's going to be a lot more. I mean, it, it's a big step for me as well. It's thrilling really really thrilling and the novel is um i must say mental i mean it's get crazy it's, it's so much event okay. and there's so much like it, i'm page turning on it i'm going like i can't stop writing this oh my god. <laughs> you know, i can't go to lunch now i've got i've got to i've got to at least get to the end of the scene it's it's tremendously gothic and dramatic
0: i love a bit but yeah but we all love a bit of gothic it's, we like like it's it's uh, gothic for me is just it's completely enchanting i can't get enough of that so mm-hmm. that's 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 really exciting for me. Uh, be, before before I let you go, because um, we always like to just to try and find out from, from how do you write? What does Philippa Gregory's writing
1: room look like? Uh, it's a bit of a mess at the moment because I recently moved into it and I was in the process of sorting a lifetime of photographs and albums. So I've got a small avalanche <laughs> on the have. floor of um, you know albums and photographs and things in boxes, which isn't very great. And then I've got two walls completely housing books and those are just my history books oh my, my literature gosh. books are all on walls around yeah. the rest of the house and th- this is from a woman who reads on kindle i mean it's do you of, really yes it's kind of embarrassing how much <laughs> books i've got <laughs> so that's but uh the actual room is rather fabulous um I I live with my husband and he is very minimalist. He's still stuck in sort of... You must drive him crazy with all the books. I do drive him crazy with all the books. So all the shared area is all white walls and stripped wood floors and all of that. My room (laughs) is like, it's crammed with books on bright blue bookshelves. (laughs) It's got loads of pictures on the walls. It's got a pinboard with hide times and maps and and family trees and stuff stuck on it. Looks like an incident room in a police station, you know. There's all these little pictures of people, little sketches of people. Amazing. Um, And then um, on my windowsill, I've got... Odd, lots of odd little things that people give me that I go like, oh, that's nice. Yes, I'll keep that. And then I look at it years after, and I go like, what the hell is that? <laughs> it's it's a pebble and a, a you know a bit of lavender. But you know,
0: <gasps> there we go. The lavender, the lav. There's a lot of lavender in Tidesland. There's, there's a lot, a lot, lot of, of lavender
1: in is It's a very good herb. Who knows? Yes, what I, I picked it for better not throw it out.
0: Absolutely. Um, well, if you ever need a box and barmaid, in any. E- <laughs>
1: Uh, if only this were television <laughs> that, was a, that
0: was a very bizarre gesture <laughs> That's- yeah, I can't believe I've just done that in no. front of such a wonderful woman. Right. Um, I loved it. I thank really you. enjoyed it. I'm going to give it to my teenage daughter who will enjoy it as well. I am, I'm, I'm so excited that there are more and I'm looking forward to them very much. Um, it's, it's such a pleasure. I mean, we could. I, well, I could speak to you for hours and hours and hours. Um, and uh, it's been a pleasure having you here. So thank you very much, Philippa Gregory.
1: Thank you very much. It's been a real pleasure.